You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. You seriously want to body paint your leg? Pink? I'm just thinking, you know. You know what I don't like about it? It's not really pink. I know it's pink, but it's not a pink that I feel pink in. Suzanne Marsh! Too forward. She would like travel around the world with her troupe of club kids, DJs, and throw parties and get paid for it. I'm drawn to people that make statements with their looks. You can be like that, but no swimming. Suzanne Varsh was the one who championed me and said, you have got a future, you are something special. More than any other time in my life, that's when I needed to hear that. Suzanne Varsh has been dubbed New York's queen of the night. Her occupation? Well, she puts on parties but they're more like full-scale theatrical assaults. She encourages people to say, what are you? Express it. What are you today? Express that. Where's the line? <laughs> I don't think Suzanne ever anticipated being like a wife, being a mother. When Suzanne gets dressed up, she's not my mother, really. She's sort of a character that she plays. You know, I didn't want a broken family because, you know, in the end, my family was broken too, and I was the basing. I didn't think I would repeat The beginning of the AIDS epidemic as it kept mounting was a horrifying sci-fi movie. What can I do when I'm going, why don't I fight this thing and do something about it? Stars are coming out tonight for a big benefit to raise money to fight AIDS. But this is not your run-of-the-mill charity event. I mean, we raised millions. When Suzanne Barsh took the stage, it really was an electric feeling in the room. Suzanne, she played a lot of roles of me accepting myself. I needed that. I needed it. It's a big day. I feel like you're getting married. <laughs> Living life is hard. You know, we have to go through all sorts of ups and downs in life, and to get through it in a positive way isn't always easy. If it's not a statement, what's the point? Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. This one's going to be real quick. We're going to hear from Anthony and Alex, the directors behind the new documentary, Susan Barsh on Top. If you don't know who Susan Barsh is, you're going to want to watch this movie. If you do know who she is, you'll probably still want to watch it as well. Go ahead and look for it on your local art house theater scene, as well as look for it on iTunes. By the time you hear this, it will be available. Anthony, I'm curious, how did you decide to get into filmmaking? Growing up, my family, we I feel like they pushed me into every sport imaginable, and I was it just never worked out. It never was something I wanted to do. I never, I lived in a town that was not very supportive of the arts. Slowly but surely, I, I decided to you know move to New York City, and I left four days after my high school graduation. I was 17, and I left, and I moved to New York, and I was like, well, I guess I'll be an actor because, you know, that's how you make something, you know, the actors make the film. And then slowly but surely, I realized like, well, no, I'm horrible at acting. I don't want to do this. I find it miserable. And I fell into directing theater and I went to school for directing theater. And that's where I met Alex. We started to direct theater together. And slowly but surely, we found that we both loved film. And we began directing short, really avant-garde pieces, multimedia theater pieces. 
and then music videos and fashion films. And we slowly just worked our way into documentary filmmaking, which is what we're doing now with our partners at No Weather, uh, Michael Beach Nichols and Chris Walker, who did Welcome to Leith and Flex is Kings. So now we're kind of just, we were kind of going with the wind. Very backward path to filmmaking. Yeah. How about you, Alex? Same question. I, when I grew up, it was a very, like, art was a big part of my house. And I went to, I saw local theater a lot. And I thought that more than anything else, I wanted to be a part of, like, the theater world. And so I went right after uh, graduating high school to the same school that Anthony was in. And it was only after, and our artistic path is really, really entwined because we met in school and everything that we've created since then has been a collaborative creation between the two of us. Like, it's always like, there is no Anthony vision and Alex vision. And then now this is a whole new thing. It was, are we sculpted our vision from the very beginning together? And while we were doing theater, yeah, we just started incorporating some filmmaking bits and pieces into the theatrical pieces. And we also had a lot of friends that went to NYU. So it was also like in the realm of possible. Like we had people that were going through something different than us, but their goals were filmmaking the way that ours was theater. And so as we just grew and incorporated filmmaking into our theater, we found ourselves doing more and more avant-garde pieces. And it was actually a very, we're constantly kind of surprised. Like, oh, this is where our art has yeah. led us. And, yeah. you know, the fact is our first feature documentary is something that feels really right because we started making it like, I'm a, oh, wow, we're actually, we're doing this, we're making this. Yeah. So it was very much a, I feel like more than anything else, like we're and I are directors and we will probably direct more documentaries, we'll probably direct narratives, we'll probably go back to theater, but we'll always be directing. So how aware of you of Suzanne Barsh were you before you came to New York? Neither of us were aware of Suzanne Barsh at all before we began making the documentary. We actually had started making, we still want to make, a film on the artist Edgar Oliver. He's a profound, profound artist. So we began filming Edgar and we ended up going to a Suzanne Barch party. And it was very, right when we met Suzanne, somebody introduced us and it was incredibly obvious that this woman was, was fascinating. Um, and she invited us to go to a private, she invited a couple people to go see this FIT exhibit she was putting on. And Alex and I were just sort of standing in the background, watching these people, watching Suzanne kind of direct all these people to like do all these different things at FIT. And we both were just so immediately sure that she was the documentary that we wanted to make. So we stopped making everything and just focused on the Suzanne Parch project. She seems like a force of nature. How were you able to direct or, or yeah. keep control of the situation when she's around? Uh, you know, a lot of it is also like not needing to be I mean, like, the control in the sense of, like, if it was a narrative, isn't quite the same as, like, a documentary, yeah. where it's, like, her force is something that we wouldn't want to, you know, change or influence in any way because that's what we want to capture. Yeah. And she's a very, like, beautifully open, loving person. She just happens to be right 100% of the time. And so, like, when we were around her, we just all got together. There was no sense of trying to get this or trying to capture at this moment. It was just kind of being there and being present. And I feel like the force of nature that she is, it was more important that that came through than it was anything else. And it really wasn't, I mean, she was just so, for some reason, she just trusted us right away. She was so incredibly intimidating at first to us. And Suzanne, when we first met her, never took off her sunglasses. We would be at home with her and we would come and we would see her and she, you know, she would have just gotten out of bed but she would have huge sunglasses on and slowly but surely, she became less intimidating to us and we were able to just be a fly on the wall filming her life with, you know, our partners, Mike and Chris. And 
slowly her sunglasses came off and she would wear less makeup and she would be open to us being around for these very intimate moments. So it was very much both of us organically just getting more and more comfortable with her. But yes, she was incredibly intimidating and still can be pretty intimidating. I think there was definitely, this is Alex, definitely a, just a stroke of the right kind of luck of when we all got together, she just, she had a good feeling about us. And Suzanne is somebody who was very instinctual and because she had a good feeling, we, it just out. kept growing and growing and she yeah. trusted us and we trusted her. And it was just a very beautifully organic process yeah. that she was down. She was down for everything. Like everything that we told her that artistically, you yeah. know, we want to have this studio shoot. We want to be here when you're doing that. We want to be here when you're doing this. Can we please have all of your home movies? So she just kept trusting us because of just the energy of the room and her instincts. Yeah. Well, how did you decide how the project was going to go. You say the word organic, you know, how did you decide, I imagine more towards the end, how are you going to shape this into the, you know, the, the film that we see today? Our editor, Karen Gould, who's so wildly talented, she sat down with us and we went through, I think it was like three or 400 hours of home videos that Suzanne gave us. She gave us, I think, six massive tubs of just VHS tapes. And we had to go through every single moment and the film at first was very much a look at Suzanne and her influence and then we begged her son Bailey to give us an interview he had never done an interview before he didn't want to do an interview so it took many months of us you know asking him if he would do it and then he finally sat down with us and everything you see in the film from Bailey really ended up shaping the entire film when we say organically, we just mean like the film went through the, this incredible evolution. Every time we got a new interviewer, every time we stumbled on a new tape, it was like, well, this changes sort of everything about film or everything we sort of thought about Suzanne. So it just slowly evolved over a, the year span of editing. When we started like writing it as an idea, we didn't know everything yet. And there's so many things about Suzanne's life that we are extremely lucky to be true yeah. so that it would make such a great film. So when we started, we started off the same way we would start with making our music videos where we had this impression of a person who's a force of nature. What does a film that represents her kind of look like? And we first started, started talking about it as like the mood and the style. And we wanted to make a documentary that felt like a music video and then went from there in terms of like yeah. filling in the actual pieces. And then I went through a bunch of different ideas where there's an original like idea where the whole film was going to feel like it took place in a day. So like they would start off with in the morning and would end at night. And yeah. And 3am. Yeah. And so like the sun would be rising, but and so the idea is like all the footage in this part of the day and, you know, and that was something that we wanted to do for a long time, but it ended up becoming too limiting to tell the story in the way that it kind of dictated that it had to be told. But we started at first just kind of going with the instinct of what we do best, which is, you know, working with mood and emotion and the, like, overall, like, human aspect. We talked about time and how it took Suzanne time to get to know you and to trust you, and the same thing with, you know, getting her son to agree to this interview. How long did the project take? You know, when did you first meet her until the last uh, bit of editing happened on the project? I think overall, I think the project took about two and a half years about roughly like it's a little less than that about two years but you know it it was definitely a very slow process and just getting people to trust us because you know we're not only dealing with Suzanne's legacy it's like how are you going to make me look I've never been on camera without any makeup on I've never I've never let people in so it was a very slow process of just getting her to trust us and simultaneously while doing that 
we were having our editor go through all of the tapes that Suzanne gave us, everything online that, that exists of Suzanne. So it was very much, you know, uh, of filming and going through all the tapes and trying to get everyone to understand us. It was a, it was a 24 hour process for two years. It was, we, awesome. well, we also knew pretty early that we wanted to focus on the community outside of Suzanne, the people that she's yeah. influenced or touched or helped or in some way is a part of. And so yeah. part of the beginning of the filmmaking was also knowing that Suzanne is an incredibly interesting, fascinating person, but who are the satellites as well that really fill in the actual film yeah. story itself. Yeah. Well, she's such a major part of queer culture, and I'm curious, when you guys started to learn about her and, and learn about what she uh, had brought to the community, did you learn about your own culture through her? Yeah, absolutely. I think there was a lot of learning about our own culture, learning about people that we had never even heard of who really have changed how Alex and I live. You know, I was just on the interview before this, we were um, talking about, you know, uh, how Suzanne... Suzanne gave us the list of celebrities that Suzanne was like, we can get them if you guys want. We can, you know, get them as a talking head in the film. And we were very, we didn't really want to do any celebrities. We wanted to do people that really changed culture along with Suzanne. And there was somebody in the film named Flawless Sabrina who we interviewed. Um, I think I think we actually did her last interview while she was alive. She passed away two months ago. And she changed queer, queer culture in such a massive way. And it's sort of, have after doing that interview really changed how Alex and I look at our own identity, look at the identity of the people around us, look at the people that we're working with and question why we're working with them or what we're trying to say with pieces that we're either producing or directing or whatever. Yeah. It really changed. I think not only the art that we make, but the people that we are for sure. Absolutely. There's also the first, this is an intense experience because a, a part of Suzanne's legacy and her contribution is the love ball which is a charity event where she raised millions uh, to give back to the community suffering from AIDS. And Anthony and I had never spent so much time in the thought process of the feelings yeah. that, that people experienced in the 80s in New York. And to learn about like, what a community, like, to, to, to spend so much time like, daily, daily, daily thinking about that had a profound impact on Anthony and I. And we're huge in terms of like understanding aspects of the culture and like and the, art saying, lost, the, and the it, immense amount of art we lost in the eighties because of it. Yeah. And, yeah, and like how different culture would be now if it wasn't for, but like Anthony was saying that there is also just a huge element of being around Suzanne enables you to figure out who you are even better Absolutely. and how to express yourself, you know, with congruence of how you feel on the inside, expressing it on the outside that she, this whole process has taught us a lot about culture and about ourselves intensely. Then it's so tapped It seems like she really bolsters people. I mean, to hear RuPaul say that, you know, she told him the exact right thing at the exact right moment. I mean, that is one of the most powerful moments of the film. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, it's because it's almost hard to believe. Like when I think of Ru now, it's hard to believe there was ever a moment where Ru didn't know exactly what she was yeah. doing, and that she wasn't always incredibly sure of herself and powerful. And it's very reassuring for all humans, because that's not how being a human is, to hear that even somebody like Rue, there was a, a time of, of needing to be bolstered. There's a time of vulnerability. And Suzanne continues to be a person who finds the people that need that at the exact right moment and brings them higher up and yeah. makes them an important part of culture. It was probably something that was even important for Anthony and I, that the ability that Suzanne to recognize people yeah. and their talent and also the ability to know instinctually that, that like, 
the need to hear that is a very powerful thing that she has. Yeah. I wish there were more people like her for sure. Yeah. She's very rare. So what's next for the documentary? I know it's coming to iTunes, what, September 7th? And then where else is it playing? Well, September 7th is opening in uh, theaters in L.A. And then um, on, it's actually, it's Tuesday the 11th. It is uh, released on iTunes and all uh, video on demand. And then it'll be on a larger streaming platform in, I think, three months. Yeah, um, yeah. But like uh, the, the exciting thing is just the, the, the even the pre-ordering is happening now that people, yeah. people can see it and, and rent it in just a, few, a week. I think, and I think it's the biggest thing. It was really exciting a week ago. Uh, Rue did a short interview with Suzanne. But Rue sort of talked about how it's so, the film itself is so important for children to see, which was something that Alex and I talked about a lot, that I wish, and there are some really adult themes in the film, but I truly feel that, yeah, that this film will hit children and a younger generation much stronger than it will even people our age. I, I think it's, I think it is a film for the young to sort of take on and say like, oh yeah, who am I and who can I be? Um, it's very so exciting that it's yeah. going to be available to like to so many people. Yeah, it's a very it's it's, it's pretty it's so cool. nice. Yeah. Well, you guys should be really proud of it. It's a really great documentary, and I look forward to what you do next. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Like, thank, thank you. Mike. This has been amazing. Thank you. She's like 75. She drinks the blood of a bit inside virgins just to stay alive. She's been throwing parties for the past thousand years. And her voice is cold as ice. She can leave you in tears. I'm talking about Suzanne Bosch. 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 She'll sit down next to your table and she'll write you a check. The number one enabler of every New York nightlife train wreck. If you want to make that cash, better get on that bar. But you're lying to yourself if you think she'll make you a star. I'm talking about Suzanne Bosch. I'm talking about Suzanne Bosch. I'm talking about Bosch, Bosch, Suzanne Bosch.
One thing to say, you better work. 